Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. That wasn't very enthusiastic. You did all right. My son Ben's doing really well. Hey, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thank you if you're joining us online as well. I wanted to start out um, today by just giving us an update on the coronavirus in our community and in our church as well. Uh, so we had, as many of you know, a spike in coronavirus cases in Elkhart County, and uh, that spike has impacted our church. We've had actually several people who have had the coronavirus over the, the last three, four weeks or so. Um, the good news is that everyone has, who has had it has either recovered or is recovering. And I see many faces here today who are recovered, so they are now immune. They're just like super people now. I mean, they can't get sick. They can't give it away, any of those things. I see some yes going on. Um, but uh, I did want to, a couple of things. One is let's continue to, you know, do the physical distancing. Let's continue to not shake hands or give hugs. Let's, after service, take our conversations out into the parking lot. Let's continue to try to be safe because those of you that had the coronavirus this last couple of weeks, it's not a fun thing, right? Not at all. Um, we do have two individuals from our church that are in the hospital. Um, one of them had some pre-existing conditions, and so he was admitted more as a precaution than anything once they found out that he had the coronavirus. Uh, but he is planning on being discharged this week. But we do have another one, um, Steve Good. You guys might know him as Ohio, Ohio State Steve because he just wears Ohio State clothing. Um, but Steve had some other uh, physical conditions that brought him into the hospital while he was there. They tested him and found out that he had the coronavirus as well. Um, he was asymptomatic for it. But uh, he is still in the hospital in the intensive care unit, and we want to be praying for him. Okay, so please put Steve on your prayer list. Uh, for a quick and miraculous healing of his body. But if you guys would, um, pray with me as I uh, pray for Steve and, and also just for the safety and protection of our church family. So God, uh, we come to you and we thank you for all of the healings that we've seen, Father, for the number of people who contracted the virus but uh, did not end up in the hospital again, and we thank you for that. Um, and we pray, God, that you would put a hedge of protection around our church and around our community, Father, and that you would just keep us all safe and healthy through this season, Lord. And God, I do want to lift up to you, Steve Good. I pray that you would bring healing and protection on him, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray that uh, he, his whole body would continue, would, would start to function correctly, Father, and that you would bring him to a place where he could uh, be discharged even this week, God. And Lord, I pray that he would feel and sense your comfort even this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for praying with me. Hey, so we have uh, been in a series called Life Hacks, Practical Advice from the Book of James. And we're trying to start out each uh, service with a life hack, something that you can take home with you and uh, apply by the way, just a reminder, life hack is an idea, a strategy, or a technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more efficient way. So here's our life hack for today. If you bounce batteries, you can bounce batteries to see if they're good or bad. 
drop them on a table from about six inches. If they give one small bounce and fall right over, they're good. If they bounce around and around any more than that, they're dead or on the way out. How many of you knew about this? Yeah, we got a couple people. Wow, you guys are you guys are young and you know about this stuff. Yeah. So watch this. So these are some batteries that are um, used. I've took, I, we used them for a season and took them out. So you see that? The little bouncing that's happening. I have uh, energizers too, just because, you know, nobody likes energizers. So anyway, so we have those. You see how they bounce? Now I'm going to take out some new batteries, Duracells, which are my favorite. All right. These are brand new. Watch this. Isn't that crazy? There's no bounce. I don't know why that works, but I'm super excited about it because I'm going to go home and bounce my batteries around <laughs> and find out which ones are good or bad. So, but yeah, isn't that crazy? It actually works. So we finally had a life hack you guys can use. So there we go. Um, but today we're going to be in the book of James. You can turn to chapter 2 if you would like. Uh, James is near the end of the New Testament, right after Hebrews. It's a small book, and uh, we're walking through this book verse by verse this summer. Uh, but this book is just full of an incredible amount of practical wisdom and advice. I just like to call it spiritual life hacks. So we're going to be reading uh, verses um, 1 through 13. We'll break it up. I'll read the first four verses, and then we'll talk about it. So verse one, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So in my Bible, the heading for this said favoritism forbidden. And uh, it says basically we shouldn't treat people differently based on how much money they have, what they wear, um, or how they look. But let's be honest, uh, this can be hard to do, right? So if Justin Bieber came into this service right now, would we treat him the same way as if a homeless person came in? It would be hard, right? Because if Justin Bieber came in, I'd be like, Bieber, hey, I'm a believer, right? You know, I mean, we're in. We're, nobody likes Justin Bieber here, you know? Um, but I would probably say, hey, come on up. I know you haven't auditioned for the worship team. You haven't shadowed for three weeks, but why don't you go ahead and play Reckless Love? Would you just do that for us right now? Because he did a cover of that one time. It was just good. Justin Bieber, by the way, is a professing Christian. He hasn't always been, and no way is he perfect. None of us are perfect. But uh, anyway, I would probably tend to treat him different. And scripture is saying we shouldn't do that, right? We shouldn't do that. Because in this world, in this world, your value many times is dependent upon how much money you have in your bank account or how popular you are or how good looking you are, right? There's a value assessment that happens. But in God's kingdom, everyone has the exact 
same infinite value. We are all priceless to him and he does not value us differently. Every one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. So we shouldn't favor one person over another. That's called favoritism, and it's not a good thing. But it's not a super harsh word, right? I mean, if we elevated Justin Bieber, it may not be right, but it wouldn't be a big negative thing. Well, let's look at another word, discrimination. Now, discrimination has a lot of negative connotations to it. Here's the definition. Discrimination, the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people or things, especially on the grounds of race, age, or sex. Favoritism is when one person gets treated better than another. Discrimination is when one person gets treated worse than another. And this is a hot topic in our society today. Guys, this happens all the time. This is 2020, and we think we're beyond this. No, this happens all the time. Let me tell you a story. So about three, four weeks ago, Rose and I went down to southern Indiana for a, um, just a short vacation, and uh, we went hiking while we were down there. But we were staying at a hotel, and at the hotel, they didn't have self-serve coffee because of the coronavirus stuff. You had to go to the counter and ask for coffee. So while I was sitting there, um, reading my Bible uh, in the morning, just I snuck out of the room to sneak down there and read my Bible. So um, this white businessman walks up to the counter and asks for a cup of coffee. So the, the person working, the hotel worker behind the counter says, oh, sure, let me put on my gloves. You know, we got to keep you safe. Puts on his gloves, makes a big show of it, goes over, pours the coffee, you know, gives him the cup and everything. And the businessman walks away. And I'm just reading my Bible, noticing this. And then about five minutes later, a Hispanic gentleman walks up with a little bit of broken English, and he says, can I have a cup of coffee? The same worker says, sure, walks over, grabs a cup of coffee, pours him a cup of coffee, slaps a lid on it, hands it to him, never once puts on any gloves. He didn't show him the same safety and consideration that he had done for the white Caucasian businessman. So here's a question. Was the white man favored or was the Hispanic man discriminated against? Yeah, both. Both. Because realistically, guys, we cannot favor someone without discriminating against someone else. Let's go back to our scripture. James is speaking to the church. 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, we had this issue in the church with people treating others differently based on some external criteria. This isn't something new. This isn't something new. But it sure is making the headlines today, isn't it? The terms used today in our culture are racism and white privilege. Racism and white privilege. And no matter where you stand on this politically, this is still happening today. There is a reason for the protests and the marches in our country and around the world. 
Racism still exists today. What happened to George Floyd wasn't right. If that had to happen to anyone, it wouldn't be right, regardless of the color of their skin. And what we don't know was George Floyd killed because he was black or not. We don't know if it was a result of the color of his skin because we don't know the policeman's heart or mind. But what we do know is that George Floyd's unnecessary death touched a nerve in our world. The riots and demonstrations show that racism still is prevalent in 2020. That even though it is in our world, it should never exist in our church. It should never exist in our church. Guys, we should be leading the charge on this because this is what Jesus has taught us. Galatians 3.26 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In God's kingdom, we are all the same, every one of us. Now, weren't we taught this in Sunday school growing up? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. So when God commands us to love each other, he commands us to love everyone. Everyone. Even if they don't dress like we do, even if they don't look like we do, even if they have a different economic status than we do, even if they don't speak our language, God has called us to love everyone. Everyone. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So I grew up in a uh, predominantly white town in, in Michigan, southern Michigan. In my high school, everyone was white except for a Hispanic, no, I'm sorry, a, an Asian family and one African-American young man who was two grades ahead of me. That was the limit of my cultural exposure growing up. So as much as I would like to say I wasn't a racist, when I look back at my thoughts, when I look back at my actions, when I look back at some of the jokes or comments that I would make, the stereotypes that I would make, I would say I had racist thoughts. Not intentionally, but through ignorance, through lack of exposure. It doesn't matter why. If we look at somebody differently because of the color of their skin or the language that they speak, we are wrong. We are wrong. If we value people differently based on some external criteria, it's a sin. So what I wanna do 
right now is I just want to pray. Because I believe that, you know, there's, there are people watching who grew up maybe similar to how I did or maybe here today who grew up in a predominantly, you know, same type of a culture where everybody was the same as you. And you might have some biases. You might have made some jokes. And there may be a little bit of that prejudiceness in your heart. And I don't care what color your skin is. Every one of us can be prejudiced against somebody else. So what I want to do is I want to take a moment and I want to pray because, guys, we can't have this in the church. I mean, they're fighting it in the culture, and I pray that the war wins and that it just ends this whole discrimination based on the color of somebody's skin. I hope it ends. But it has to end in the church, and it starts with each one of us. Because honestly, we can treat somebody differently based on the color of their skin, and no one may ever know it. An older white lady may be struggling to get her groceries into her car, and you may go, oh, let me help you, and you walk over and you help her put them in. But the next day, you might see an African-American lady struggling getting her groceries in the car, and you just walk by. You see, nobody would know that you treated them differently. But it is. It's discrimination, and it's wrong. And so I want to take a moment, because I want God and the Holy Spirit to seek to search our hearts and to bring out any of that impurities, okay? So if you have it in your heart, I'm going to ask you guys, this, everybody, everybody bow your head, and we're going to pray. And if you have some of that, now is the time to just confess it to God. Let him purify our hearts so that we, at least here in the church, don't have this within us. So let me pray. God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us, Father. I thank you, God, that you have exposed me to many different cultures and you have brought out that prejudiceness within me, Lord. But Lord, I pray that if there is anything else inside of me, I pray that you would take it out, that you would remove it from me, God, in Jesus' name. Let me see my brothers and sisters the same way you do. Infinitely precious, God. Regardless of the color of their skin or the language that they speak, God, or their financial status, Every single person in this world is precious to you, God. Let me see them the same way. And Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that we would be a church that loves people the way that you love them. Every single person, God. And God, I pray that we would be a church that rejoices in the differences. That we celebrate the different colors of skin in our church body, Father. Let us be diverse, Lord. Let us be diverse. And let us love one another deeply, God. And Lord, I pray for our world that is a mess right now because of this issue and many other issues, but specifically this issue today, Lord. I pray, God, that you would bring in love to cover over a multitude of sins, Lord. And I pray that the church, the big church, big C church would lead the way in showing how to love one another regardless of the color of their skin, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
So your life hack from this first section is God's heart is for us to value all people the same, to value all people the same. All right, we're going to continue on. The, the rest of this section continues to touch on this issue, but it brings up some other things too. So verses 5 through 7. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? So this section of Scripture, James is talking about the difference between someone in the church and, you know, spiritually who are financially rich or financially poor. And he's saying there's a difference. He says that the poor in this world are rich in faith. The poor in this world are rich in faith. And I'll be honest with you, I've seen that. I've had the privilege of traveling to third world countries all over this planet. And I've visited the churches there. And so many times I'll take a team and we go in and we're the, you know, the, the rich Americans, the, the educated Americans who are going to come and be a blessing to this church. And I'll tell you what, we, I mean, we are able to, to financially bless them and, and encourage them. But we get blessed and encouraged so much more. I remember one time I was over in uh, South Sudan, and I've, I've shared this story before. You might remember it. But they, uh, their youth group was getting together on a Friday night. And so I decided to go over there and just join them for a little bit. And uh, you know what they were doing for a good time on a Friday night? They were praying. And that's what they did from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., they prayed all night long, and it was incredible. At one point, I remember <laughs> sitting there. I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed by these 14, 15, 16-year-old kids praying their hearts out, you know, for different topics. And they said, hey, Pastor Clint, can we pray for you? I said, sure. And so they gathered around me, and they put their hands on me. There was about 30 kids in there, students in there, and they all just started praying at the same time, just at the top of their lungs over me for like the next 10 or 15 minutes, and I just started to bawl because I knew that they were changing the heavenlies on my behalf, praying protection, praying safe travels, financial blessings, all the things that we have received. They were praying those things. Their faith is amazing. And I, I'd say one of the reasons their faith is so big is because they need it. You know, in America, our faith, we don't, we don't tend to have the same level in my experience. Because when we're sick, what do we do? We go to the doctor. We have a doctor. We have medicine. We have hospitals. We have surgeons. They don't have those things. So we easily use the money that we have instead of faith. They don't have the money. They don't have the resources. All they have is God. All they have is their faith. And so it's prevalent. It's strong. So um, my son, Michael, he goes to the Vineyard Church in Mishawaka. He's on staff there. Uh, he got affected by the coronavirus in the last couple of weeks. And so he 
this past week was struggling a little bit. He, his fever was spiking up, you know, at that 102 level, and then would drop down. He was having trouble sleeping. And I've uh, been praying for him, and I was on Facebook messaging James Loca. He's one of the, the children of the New Generation Dreamland Children's Home, though he's not a child anymore. Here's a picture of him. He's 22 now. But he's one of the ones that received uh, one of those cell phones, so he was messaging me. And, uh, and I just said, hey, be praying for my son, Michael. He knows who he is. And I said, he's got uh, the coronavirus. And uh, this was his response. He says, we believe nothing is impossible before God because he is the God that heals our disease. So he will do it for Michael. And that was just on a Facebook message to me. But you know what? As, as a father who has a son who is suffering, and you've heard all the bad stories about this virus, I needed that. Because I knew, I know of James's faith, and I know God hears from him. <laughs> and so, I know that God hears him. And so, um, that strengthened and encouraged my heart, knowing that my brother James is standing in the gap, interceding for my son Michael. Now, I will report to you, my son Michael hasn't had a fever since like Wednesday, about the same day that he began to pray for my son. And he's almost fully recovered, praise God. Praise God. But guys, the poor among us, Scripture says, are rich in faith. But now let's talk about the rich because that's generally us. We may not feel that we are rich, but compared to the rest of the world, because you live in America today, you are rich. You're rich. And Scripture doesn't have a lot of good things to say about the rich. It says in uh, Matthew chapter 19, then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Wow. It's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to, to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, thankfully, later on, he says, but nothing is impossible for God, <laughs> right? So we, who are rich, we need to fight for our faith because it's way too easy to just use our finances to take care of our needs and never even bother asking God for help. Americans are known for being pretty independent, right? Around the world. And a lot of that is because of our money. So here's our life hack in the midst of this. Even when money is available, it's better to trust in God. It's better to trust in God, even when you have the finances to take care of a situation. All right, let me read the next couple of verses. Verse eight. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. 
But if you show favoritism, you sin and are, and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So this first section, again, says that favoritism is wrong. In fact, it goes on further to say it's a sin. So favoritism, it's an outright sin. But he talks about keeping the law. Well, in the Old Testament law, there are over 600 different laws, and it was impossible to keep them all. In fact, Many biblical scholars believe that the reason we had the law was to prove that we couldn't keep the law. It was to prove that we all needed a savior. When I'm explaining salvation to people, many times I say, so how many sins do you think it takes to keep you out of heaven? How many? You know, is it, is it this idea that, you know, here are my sins and they're on a scale, but here are my good works and that evens it out? No, that's not the way it works, right? How many sins does it take? One. And I can tell you, I've probably already committed one sin while I'm speaking to you, right up here, right? It's that easy to sin. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. So again, judging each other shouldn't happen within the church. Guys, it doesn't matter if you are a little sinner or you're a big sinner. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Now, I believe that there are some people here today who are watching or in the auditorium where you have looked at your past sins and you said, man, I am a sinner. I have done some major big things. And then you've looked at others who grew up in kind of a Christian home and grew up all right, and you have valued them higher than yourself. It shouldn't be. Guys, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. We're all on the same plane, whether you've done a little bit of sin or you've done a lot of bit of sin. We all need a Savior, each and every one of us. So when you are looking at other Christians and saying, man, they're a better Christian than me because they haven't done the things I've done, you are wrong. You are wrong. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Every one of us. So it doesn't matter what you've done. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. And then for those in the room who have lived a relatively clean life, be careful. Because it's easy sometimes to look at somebody who comes from a very sinful past and to say, man, I'm glad I'm not like that person. Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. So it doesn't matter if you've lived a fairly clean life. You're not a better person, a better Christian than somebody else. We're all on the same plane. And we shouldn't be judging each other. We shouldn't be attributing value based on whether somebody sinned a little or a lot. So here's your life hack on that one. Jesus' death paid the price for all of my sin. Everyone. Everything I've ever done. 
And then this last two verses, I'll read these and then we'll wrap up. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So in this section, again, he's saying, hey, we've all received mercy. We've all needed mercy. Let's act like we all are on the same plane. You know, let's have grace for one another. Let's forgive one another like Christ forgave me. Um, it reminds me of this parable. I'm going to read this parable. It's in Matthew chapter 18. You can turn there if you would like. Uh, verses 23 through 35. But Jesus was being asked the question um, about whether or not or how much we should forgive our brother. Get the right chapter here. How many times shall I forgive my brother is what he's saying. And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And then he tells this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Let me just stop there. 10,000 bags of gold. I didn't do the, the math on that. That's a lot of money in any society. That's a lot of money. That's an amazing amount of money. So a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Everything that he had. They were all going to be slaves. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Canceled it completely. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. That sounds familiar. That's what he had said. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you, ser you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wouldn't our world be a much better place if we practiced what I just preached? If we learned to forgive one another and have mercy on one another and to treat people with value because God has forgiven me, he's had mercy on me, and he's given me infinite value. It'd be a much much better place. Here's your last life hack. When we forgive others, it opens the door for God to forgive us. I'm going to ask Rose to come up and close our time together.
Would you stand with me as I close for prayer? God, I thank you that you see us all the same, you value us all the same. And God, I pray that you would put in us the ability to see others the way you see them. And Lord, also to see ourselves the way you see us. Lord, I'm grateful that you value us all the same. God, I thank you that you created us and that you value your creation. We're not just humans that just happen to be on this earth, but you created us with intention here on this earth. So Lord, forgive us for not seeing people the way you see them or seeing ourselves the way you see us. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, I thank you for loving us the way we are, but not leaving us the way we are. Thank you that you love us enough to push us forward and to change us. Thank you for your truth this morning, Lord. And God, I pray that you would bless each person in this room and online. God, that you would... <laughs> Just reveal yourself to us this week. Lord, I pray that we would experience you this week. Lord, we pray a blessing over everyone. Thank you for being with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming out, guys. And we'll see you next week. Have a good week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.